This is the 10th edition of TNA Impact Wrestling Analysis. My name is Levi D. Smith and I am coming to you from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Hello everyone, it sounds like this is going to be a great episode of Impact Wrestling tonight. They're going to have a New York City Gold Rush and it's going to be 10 different competitors squaring off uh, in one-on-one matches and each of the winners of those matches will then compete with each other and finally it'll come down to one who wins the New York City Gold Rush and gets a guaranteed opportunity at a championship match of their choice. So it sounds like it's going to be a great show for us tonight. Yeah, so the first Gold Rush, Rush match tonight will be Loki versus MVP. We saw the show open up with Jeremy Borash, and he sort of explained the rules to the Gold Rush competition. It'll be five guys, and they have unknown opponents, so I guess the winners of those will have that opportunity at the championship match of their choice. And I'm really liking, before the pe- competitors come out, that she show like a short vignette and some of the history of each of the wrestlers, like MVP and Loki shows some of their former matches a little bit of a promo so really liking that i remember when tna used to do that for pay-per-views uh, a long time ago for like a main event pay-per-view before each guy came out they would have that little short little vignette and i think it just adds to the atmosphere of the match so yeah so i just noticed something really odd with the commentary mike tna just said that both low-key and mvp competed in new japan pro wrestling and from what I'm aware, I mean, they're pretty much the competitors of Wrestle 1, and that's TNA's partner in Japan is Wrestle 1. But uh, I've been seeing some things on the internet how I think maybe the owner of New Japan met with the great Muda. So who knows? There might be something in the works between those two companies. And as everyone probably knows, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling is where the Bullet Club is. And the Bullet Club has AJ Styles. And Jeff Jarrett and also Scott Namore. So, yeah, that would be something really remarkable if, like, all those those two mega-powered Japanese wrestling federations came together. And if, if Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles, I don't think that are involved, but you never know in this crazy world of wrestling. Yeah, so I just saw a really impressive move by Loki. Loki gets shot into the ring ropes by MVP, and he rebounds back. And MVP just, like, lifts him up, and then Loki gets on MVP's shoulders and springboards off of his shoulders and MVP kind of leans forward then he kicks MVP in the back I've just never seen a move like that before yeah so we just saw MVP with a kick to the back of Loki's head Uh, he calls that finisher the drive-by I don't know it looked like it was a pretty painful move I'm just glad that they actually gave it a name the drive-by so MVP moves on to the Gold Rush Finals tonight. And then after that, they had a backstage segment with the Bromances. Kind of hilarious. They're talking about their tender matches, how they picked up the beautiful people. And then Robbie E., he starts talking about how he's going to be on Amazing Race next week. And that his partner on the Amazing Race is Doc Knockout Brooke. And he's like, oh, yeah, nobody's going to know. I mean... Velvet Sky isn't going to know that Brooke is my partner on Amazing Race. And then is kind of hilarious there. They kind of broke the fourth wall. And and Jesse was like, hey, you do know that everything that you say on television is recorded for everyone to see. And 
<laughs> they just sort of broke the fourth wall and like, yeah, we're being recorded right now on this camera right now. We're on national television. So then Robbie just like scurries off after that. So pretty hilarious segment. So, yeah, we saw a pretty good match between Tajiri and Robbie E. Robbie E. came out before the match, and he started antagonizing the New York City crowd, saying how he's from Jersey and how Jersey is so much better than New York and how he's the greatest in the world. And So Tajiri came out. He didn't want to hear anything about it, and great match between the two. And Robbie E., in the end, he pushed Tajiri into the referee, so the referee got knocked out briefly, and then Tajiri came back with the miss to the eyes, and after that, Robbie E., he was dizzy, and Tajiri delivered the kick straight to Robbie E.'s head, and then he's able to cover him for the 1-2-3, so Tajiri is moving to the finals of the Gold Rush Tournament. Of course, Tajiri was really popular with the New York City crowd. I'm sure they remember Tajiri from his ECW days, back when he competed in that organization. We also saw some of his classic moves in the match, such as the tarantula. And i got to say, Robbie E. did a great job of selling the tarantula. He just looked like he was in so much pain. So, we just saw a great match in the Gold Rush Tournament between Austin Aries and Nux. And, yeah, I really haven't cared for Nux much lately, but he wrestles a pretty decent uh, style for a big man. And it's kind of like a David and Goliath match because Austin Aries, he's a little bit smaller going up with a guy. I don't know. He's about twice Austin Aries' size. But saw some really great moves from Austin Aries. He did a suicide dive halfway through the match and took out half of the menagerie, both the freak Rob Terry and Crazy Steve. Just totally took those guys out and finally got the upper hand on Nux. And he was able to put Nux in the brain buster. He like held him right over his head and Almost like a suplex, but he drives him straight down into the mat. So Austin Aries got the win and will be proceeding in the Gold Rush Tournament. So we just saw the next match in the Gold Rush Tournament between Mr. Anderson and Magnus. And Mac, uh, Mr. Anderson came out victorious after putting the mic check on Magnus. And yeah, I just got to say there's been absolutely no story development tonight, which is okay. We don't have to have stories every single week. But uh, some of these matches, they do seem kind of random, random pairing, which kind of makes it interesting. It's a little bit different. But yeah, hopefully next week we get back to actual stories. So we just saw a promo for Gail Kim versus Havoc next week on Impact Wrestling. And yeah, I think this is going to be a great match, but I think it's way, way, way too soon to be having this match. I mean, they had vignettes for Havoc for weeks. They're really building her up. I love those vignettes. I mean, they sort of reminded me of the vignettes they played for Gail Kim years ago on the competition. They had, like, this Matrix background-looking thing, and it looks like she was coming right out of the Matrix or something. And I think it really helped Gail Kim when she was in that organization. I think the vignettes that Havoc got also helped her, but... Uh, yeah, I just think they really need to build this match up a little bit more before they pull the trigger on it. Uh, I'm thinking, I haven't read any spoilers or anything, but I'm guessing they're going to have like a DQ or a no finish or a no contest or something because to have the conclusion of this 
this feud already right when it's starting just really doesn't make sense. So you never know. They might want to go ahead and put the title on Havoc and have Gil Kim chasing Havoc. I mean, that usually is the way that most of these feuds work is that the heel usually has the championship and then the babyface pursues uh, the heel champion. So we'll just have to tune in next week and find out what happens. So the final qualifying match for the Gold Rush Tournament is Samuel Shaw going up against Abyss. So it seems like this is going to be a good match. Got two guys that really aren't quite right in the head. And yeah, I was just going to say Samuel Shaw, I'm really impressed with how far he's come over like the last year or so because I remember like watching these gut checks every month. They've had like say a dozen different competitors to gut check. And none of them really never amounted to anything except for Samuel Shaw. He's the one that stuck with it and made it to the main roster. I mean, they said that they gave some of these other guys contracts, I think, like Silva and some of the other guys, but they just never really didn't make it or anything. But Samuel Shaw, he's the one that actually made it, and he's becoming a star, and... And that's another thing that I'm liking about TNA these days. In the past, they would, like, rotate these guys in, and they'll stay for a few weeks or a couple of months, and then they're gone. But I think now TNA is finally focused on making real stars. They're picking their guys, and they're sticking with them, and they're making household names out of, the, out of their wrestlers. So it was a great match between Samuel Shaw and Abyss, and... Near the end of the match, Abyss pushes the referee out of the way, and then Samuel Shaw, he's, he was on the outside of the ring, and he grabs a chair from in under the mat, and he hits Abyss across the head with the chair. It dizzied Abyss just for a moment. Samuel Shaw, he j- then jumped in the ring, started charging toward Abyss, but Abyss caught him, put him in the black hole slam, and got the one, two, three, so Abyss is moving on to the finals of the Gold Rush Tournament, and one thing that I'm really liking about this show tonight, which I believe they've been doing for the past few weeks, is that after a match, they're now actually showing highlights of some of the action that's gone on in the match. I remember I was always a big fan of WCW Saturday Night and Monday Nitro back in the day, back in the mid-90s. And after every match, you would see the highlights of the match. I mean, just in case you missed the action or you just wanted to see it again. I know that's something TNA has never really done in the past. It's like after the match is over, we're going straight to a backstage segment and really not showcase the great action that you just saw. So I'm really liking that TNA is finally doing the highlights after the match. So now it's time for the main event of the New York City Gold Rush. So we have MVP taking on Mr. Anderson, Austin Aries, Tajiri, and Abyss. And I'm assuming that some of the matches may have actually been taped on another night and they just edited these together because MVP's wearing different wrestling attire. Uh, Earlier on in the night, he was wearing a uh, red ring gear and now he's wearing black with yellow trim and also when Anderson came out he did his whole little intro from Green Bay Wisconsin Anderson Anderson he did it again and if he already did it earlier in the night I don't see why he would do it again I mean unless this was taped on a different night 
So one other interesting thing about this whole Gold Rush tournament tonight, on the Impact Wrestling website, they heavily promoted this as Kurt Angle's uh, uh, tournament, and that he came up with the idea for this and everything, and they got an Angle all over the website. But we have not seen Angle at all on Impact Wrestling tonight. I mean, we saw JB at the very beginning. That could have been like a last-minute pre-recorded uh, segment there. And not sure if news might have broke that Kurt Angle may not be re-signing with TNA. Who knows? It's just sort of suspicious how they promoted this as like a Kurt Angle event on the website, but we have not seen him at all on television tonight. You know, there have been rumors out there that Kurt Angle's TNA contract is expiring soon. I believe Angle actually made an announcement that he will be deciding soon what his future career holds for him. So he hasn't exactly said if he would be going to the competition or if he would be staying with TNA or if he may actually be retiring. Who knows? So, in the conclusion of the Gold Rush Finals, MVP came up. He tried to put his drive-by finisher on Austin Aries, but Aries was able to dodge that finishing maneuver, and he rolled MVP up and got the victory. And so now, Austin Aries gets to pick to compete for a title of his choosing. I'm not sure if I'm so thrilled about this, because didn't Austin Aries just cash in the option C, just like, a month or two ago? I mean, is he going to get another world title shot? I mean, maybe he'll challenge Lashley again and maybe come out on top this time. I don't know. Or maybe he might ch- challenge for the X Division title. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it was an okay match. The crowd really, uh, to be honest, the crowd really wasn't into this. Now, I don't know if they taped this whole entire show in one night. If they did, that is a lot of wrestling for fans to sit through. I mean, you got to break it up a little bit, have a promo in there. I mean, I know a lot of people out there on the Internet, I mean, they say, hey, we love, like, two hours just full of wrestling. But, yeah, just a casual viewer at home or the people in the audience that aren't like diehard wrestling fans i mean they don't care to sit through like what was that five six consecutive wrestling matches now they may have taped these out of order maybe they did break it up a little bit who knows but anyway i thought it was a decent show i thought it was good and it did build up for next week we have a few things to look forward to uh Aries has not named which title he will be competing for, so we have that to look forward to. And also, the Wolves will announce the stipulation for the final match in that Tag Team Championship Series. And also, again, we got the uh, Knockouts title online between Gail Kim and Havoc. So it almost seems like, I don't know, we've got a championship match next week, and I don't think it will be the tag team championships on the line, but definitely the Knockouts championship will be on the line. So sounds like it's going to be a great show next week. And this was the final show for now for 2014, as far as we're aware, in New York City. So... Uh, They'll be saying goodbye to the Manhattan Center for now. There have been rumors that TNA is actually looking to book the Manhattan Center again in 2015. So that's definitely good news. I thought the New York City crowd was great. I mean, it was just a wonderful change from the impact zone. I mean, 
nothing against the fans in Orlando. I mean, they used to be really rowdy back in the day, back in like 2004, 2005, those early days of TNA. It's just a really great crowd in Orlando. But just over the years, I mean, the quality of the fans have, I don't know, they just aren't as energetic, those Impact Zone fans. They weren't as energetic as they were in the early years earlier years of TNA. I mean, we would see the same people in the crowd. They'd bring the same signs every single week. I mean, I saw this Team Rude sign a million times. I saw the old lady with the Magnus sign a million times. Nothing against those people, but come on, you got to bring different signs. Don't bring the same signs every week for like Two or three months. I mean, it just does not look good on TV. So I thought the New York fans were great. I mean, they made some great signs. They were rowdy. They had a lot of great chants. I mean, I was reading on the internet, and some of these bozos on the internet was like, oh, the New York fans are just going to, like, just be horrible to TNA, and they're just going to, I don't I don't know how to say it politely, but, uh, yeah, they just thought the New York fans were just going to, not care for TNA at all. So uh, I think the New York City fans proved those people on the internet wrong because they were solidly behind the action that TNA gave the New York fans. So great job to those guys. And so now they'll be headed back to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where they were a few months ago. And hopefully they'll have a great turnout in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And uh, can't wait to see the show next week. So the last week's edition of Impact Wrestling on September 17th had 1.11 million viewers in the United States. And that is an increase from the previous week. And actually, it is the most viewers they've had since they've moved to Wednesday night. So good job. I hope they keep it up. It was a great show. And I'm glad they got a good rating for it. On Challenge TV in the UK, Impact Wrestling had 181,000 viewers for last week's episode, which is actually down. So I'm not sure why the UK fans didn't tune in for that. Maybe there was something going on, or maybe the show just didn't have enough Rockstar, Spud, and Magnus. Now it's time for This Week in Impact Wrestling History. So, this week, 10 years ago, there was a tag team title match on Impact, and Christopher Daniels and James Storm defeated Chris Harris and primetime Elix Skipper to win the NWA TNA Tag Team Titles. This week, 8 years ago, there was the big No Surrender pay-per-view, and it was announced that Impact would be moving to Thursday nights. That was their new one-hour show. They had previously been on Saturday nights, I think it was around 11. I think they started out at like midnight. I remember staying up till midnight on Saturday nights just to watch Impact Wrestling. Then they finally moved them up to 11 p.m. So this was a big move for TNA. This was their first shot. I can't remember when they first moved to Thursday night. I think they started out at 11, and eventually they moved to prime time. But this was definitely a step in the right direction for TNA. And also, this is when uh, Kurt Angle made his shocking debut with TNA eight years ago this week. This week, four years ago, 
AJ Styles defeated Sabu in a ladder match, and this match was to get the advantage in the Bound for Glory Lethal Lockdown match. This was a big confrontation between Fortune, that was the group composed of AJ Styles, Frankie Kazarian, Beer Money, Cowboy James Storm, and Bobby Roode, and they were managed by Ric Flair, and they were they were a heel group, and they were going up against EV 2.0, and this was basically a lot of the ECW originals, like Tommy Dreamer, and Sabu, and RVD. I can't remember if Raven was a part of that. I can't remember if they brought Raven back. Uh, I don't think they brought Shane Douglas back either, but this was a group of the ECW originals, but... For legal reasons, they could not call them ECW, so they used this name EV 2.0, which I believe stood for Extreme Violence or Extreme Version 2.0. So that what led up to a big lethal lockdown match at Bound for Glory, which took place at Daytona Beach, Florida. So now it's time for news and rumors. So first bit of news, I've never been a big fan of the Howard Stern Show. I used to watch it like on the E! Channel when they had the video version, but I never really listened to the radio show. I think he's on Sirius or one of those satellite radio channels that I don't get. But apparently on the Howard Stern Show, there was a regular called Eric the Actor. And I think Howard Stern has the whack pack and... Yeah, this, uh, I'm assuming, was one of the members of the WAC Pack. He was a little person. And uh, how this ties into TNA, Eric the Actor was actually on the Impact podcast, the official Impact podcast, which was hosted by Jeremy Borash and Christy Hemme. And I think there was, like, some sort of small feud between Bobby Reed when Bobby Reed was a heel and Eric the Actor. So... Nothing really ever amounted from it. He may have made an appearance at one of the pay-per-views. I can't remember. But uh, just because he was a part of the Impact podcast, uh, there had been uh, many Impact wrestling personalities, such as Jeremy Borash and Dixie Carter, who passed along their sympathies toward the uh, passing away of Eric the Actor. There has still been no official word of a new television home for Impact Wrestling. Now, one of the members, uh, Chris Regal at TNA Mecca, he actually sent Dixie Carter a tweet asking, Hey, can you give us a sign on whether we can expect Impact to have a home next year? And Dixie Carter just kind of uh, confirmed that Impact will be Uh, airing somewhere, not necessarily Spike TV, but somewhere in 2015. There's actually been a new push on Twitter uh, promoting Impact Wrestling. I know uh, the competition had a pay-per-view last Sunday, which I did not see, but I heard it really wasn't that great, so... There was a tweet sent out by the official Impact Wrestling Twitter account saying, hey, if you don't care for what you just saw, you do have an alternative on Wednesday night, so check it out. And also, Matt Hardy, he actually got on Twitter and he uh, promoted to his fans, his Twitter followers, to watch Impact Wrestling on Wednesday. And I thought this was really classy, a great move 
by Matt Hardy. From what I understand, he is not officially signed by Impact Wrestling. He's apparently working on a show-by-show basis. But uh, you might not realize it, but Matt Hardy has a lot of Twitter followers. I mean, I think he was one of the first wrestlers on Twitter. Because remember back in the day on the competition show, he was... Uh, he really promoted his social media accounts even before anybody really knew what social media was. He was Matt Hardy V1. He had the little hand sign V1. And even his, his Tron had like this internet loading uh, thing going on. So Matt Hardy, he's like a, he's not the most famous wrestler. I mean, he's a big name. But he's even bigger on the internet. Just tons and tons of Twitter followers. I believe he has over 800,000 Twitter followers. I mean, that's just amazing for a wrestler. And uh, he has more followers than the Impact Wrestling official account and Dixie Carter combined. So, yeah, he definitely has a lot of influence in the social media uh, world. So it's great for him to be plugging Impact on Wednesday nights. In other news, TNA has recently announced they have signed a new international superstar. This was a guy. His name is Mahabali uh, Vira, or he's also known as Mahabali Shira or Shera on Twitter. And yeah, apparently this guy was a former champion on Ringa King. Now remember. Ringa King was kind of like a sister wrestling organization to TNA. Had millions and millions of viewers in India. This was a promotion started by Jeff Jarrett out of India. It featured many TNA talents. It featured many original India talents. And I believe the series only went for like one year. I don't know why they didn't pick it up for a second year. I think it was on the Colors Network in India. It sounded like it was a huge hit, had millions and millions of viewers, but for whatever reason, uh, Rink King just didn't last. But apparently there's a lot of great talent in India. In other news, uh, not sure exactly where this broke. Uh, some people have said it was actually on Impact Wrestling's official website uh, that Josh Matthews, a former announcer and backstage interviewer for the competition was spotted in Nashville at TNA headquarters. So, yeah, I went and checked it out, and it looked like there was a link to the Impact Wrestling website, but when I went there, the link was dead. Uh, Not sure what I would think about Josh Matthews. I mean, he is another guy coming from the competition, and uh, it's always a headache whenever someone has that baggage. I mean, he's a great announcer. He's okay, but there's a lot of great announcers other places that doesn't that don't come with that label. So, I don't know. I think it'll be okay. Uh, maybe Mike today might be thinking about retiring soon. Who knows? There may be an opening on the announce team, and maybe Jeremy Borash may be moved up to the announce team, and they need a new backstage interviewer. I've also heard that Christy Hemi may be pregnant, so she will, if she is, she'll definitely need some time off for that, and they'll need somebody to do 
ring announcing duties. So that might be a good place for him. As long as he's not lead commentator, I don't have a problem with them bringing him in. In Bound for Glory news, Jimmy Suzuki, uh, he's been kind of like the mouthpiece for putting Bound for Glory together, for providing the Wrestle One talent for Bound for Glory. And he was on Twitter, and uh, he was actually the one that broke the news about when tickets would be going on sale for Bound for Glory. And he was recently on Twitter, and he announced that Kaz Hayashi will be a part of of Bound for Glory. And if this is the same guy I remember from WCW, this guy was really impressive. I remember he was a member of the Young Dragons. I believe they were around 2000, maybe early 2001, during those last days of WCW. But I do remember the Young Dragons. They were a really impressive team with Kaz Hayashi. And I remember them feuding with three count. A lot of great matches for those guys. So uh, if he's going to be on the card, it sounds like it's going to be a really great show for Bound for Glory. It's also been announced that there will be a new TNA soundtrack released soon. I'm sure you'll be able to find that on either Shop TNA or iTunes, and that will include the theme songs to a lot of the current wrestlers on the TNA roster. So yeah, if you're a fan of wrestling theme songs, or if you just like Del Oliver's music, I definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, so that's all the show there is for this week. Remember to follow at Podcast TNA to keep up with all the latest updates you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes and i appreciate everyone listening i'll be back in a week